At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Always follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows and download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. Get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, Long Shots, First Strike, and many more. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Dave Ross alongside Matt Humans. Follow the money right here. Speaking of golf, mm-hmm. it is great to have Jeff Seeley, golf handicapper, join us now as we get ready for the Genesis Open. Matt, I know you have a couple of plays already in pocket. Jeff, I want to get your initial thoughts here as you look at the Genesis. It's one of the best courses. Uh, Matt and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, and you got a great field this week at the Genesis. Yeah, no, there's no question. And, and the nice part about it is, is being a an invitational, you know, you're going to get more guys through the cut, a little smaller field. So, um, you know, if you're playing, playing guys, make the cut, miss the cut. If you're playing any, any draft teams, DFS, uh, it's even more fun because you have a better chance to better chance to get your guys through. <clears throat> Top 10 players in the world uh, are going to show up this week at the Riviera country club in uh, LA Genesis invitational. Let's talk about it. This is going to be a good one. And uh, DJ is one guy you like among the group of favorites. He won this tournament in 2017. Are you concerned that DJ does not have a top 10 since September? Not really. I mean, he, you know, he finished eighth in the in the desert last week. I think it's Saudi and, and, you know, he's 25th at the farmers. Um, again, one of the things that's interesting here with, with DJ, I think more than anything that Jeff Sherman pointed out in our pod last night is that, you know, he was, he's been the favorite in this tournament, I think, you know, for the last five years or something along those lines. So to get a guy who was single digits forever now at 15, 16 to one is just too good of a price to pass up. And while his form is not like elite where he was just dominating everyone there for a while, um, you know, having finished 25th and eighth in some decent fields the last few weeks, um, certainly 16 to one is a good price. You know, where'd you get that 16 to one right here at circuits 12 to one on DJ. I can't find a 16 oh, wow. in town. Where, where'd you get that DraftKings or where? Yeah. Hang on. And, yeah. And, yeah. So I, he is 16. I, I played it or, or, or yesterday. He is 16 to one. It looks like, looks like he's 16 to one on DraftKings right now. Yep. He is <clears throat> absolutely talking with Jeff Seeley. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Cutmaker Jeff. Uh, let's talk a little bit, too, about Brooks Kepka because he didn't close last week. I like the look with the blonde hair. Is he still the same guy? I'm seeing a 35-1 to 1 this week. You like the look of the blonde hair? Yeah, I like the look of the blonde hair. Let, let, he's still young. Go ahead and, and be goofy with the hair. But, Jeff, is he the same guy? Because he used to strike fear, and the rest of the guys, nobody's ever going to be Tiger. We understand that. But, you know, he's not closing the way we're accustomed to Brooks Kept it closing. Tiger's not going to dye his hair blonde either. <laughs> he did at one point. <laughs> well, well, you're you're talking the biggest Brooks Kepka fan on, on the planet. 
So um, one one of the one of the chat. I but I the the blonde, I'm not a fan of the blonde hair. Come on, um, oh, that's but, but I but but I, I I tell you I I, I agree and I, I it's been shocking to me over the past few years and really the biggest shock to me was at the PGA um, at Harding Park the Morikawa one that kept you with right there and just fell apart on Sunday and this this week. Um, going at, you know, a tournament where at the waste management, I was actually there on Thursday, the, uh, the, a determinant where he has won twice, then he was leading the field in ball striking stats going into Sunday. And then his wedges just to disappear, making 12 foot par putts to, to save par. So it, it's, it, it's just, it's odd to see Kepka um, in that position and kind of fall apart. Matter of fact, the last time he won was last year at the waste management when he was kind of coming from behind and really kind of held the pace and just barnstormed and chipped in for Eagle on, on, on Sunday and, and ran down KH Lee. So it's, it's interesting. And there, and there's something, I don't know what's, what's going on there because you're right. The swag when he was winning all those majors was a real thing. And people were, I honestly think we're intimidated at this point. I just don't know if that's the case that said, I'm still going to bet him in every major. Yeah, the, the intimidation factor with uh, Kepka is not there. Maybe it is with uh, DeChambeau when he looks at Kepka, but nobody else. I don't think <laughs> at this point, actually, if you go back to last summer, Jeff, uh, I thought it was embarrassing for Kepka when uh, he got he got outplayed badly by Phil Mickelson in the final round of the PGA when they were head to head. Yeah, you're you know, you're you're spot on. I mean that that that's another good example. I mean, I, I thought for sure he was going to run down, you know, would easily take down Phil and. Um, and then he tried to, you know, blame a fan at the end when he was getting got pushed or right. something. I mean, and look, he's look. He has he has he had some injuries. Yes, I don't know all the depth of that stuff, but um, you know, I, I I just want him to get healthy because I've got a big ticket on him for over seven and a half majors. So he's got some work to do to cash that ticket for me. One of my uh, favorite memories of that final round of the PGA is early in the round. I think it might have been the second hole. Kepka birdied and Phil bogeyed. And Kepka swaggered off the green like oh, yeah. he was John Wayne, and then uh, late in the day when he's getting his butt kicked by Phil, he starts limping. Oh yeah, I got a I got a bad knee. My knee's uh, injury up. excuse. All right, let's enough of Kepka. Let's go to <laughs> I, Jeff loves Brooks Kepka. I used to, but uh, the blonde the blonde hair thing really bothers me too. How about Cam Smith? We cashed on him in Maui. Uh, Cam Smith has got a pretty good form. I'll let you break it down why you like Cam Smith and also talk about Adam Scott, another guy who hasn't won much lately, but it's got pretty good form, really good form actually on this course. So first of all, you talk about elite hair. Cam Smith has elite hair. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna get any better better hair than Cam Smith. And you know, you, you can find him. I just bet him twenty two to one this morning. Uh, he was probably used around twenty five a little earlier, but his form's insane. And going back to last August, he has seven top tens including a second at the Northern Trust. And then he just won the Century Tournament of Champions in January. So his form is absolutely insane. He finished fourth here last year where he was even, you know, he was even in strokes game putting, but he gained 10 strokes tee to green. So, I mean, that was really impressive in and of itself. And then add to that that he's gained an average of four strokes putting in four of his last five. If Cam Smith's putter heats up and he can come close to his tee to green game that he had here last year, he could very easily win this tournament. Twenty-two to one, very fair price. And Adam Scott, you're right, Matt. It just seems like forever since he's won. 
but he played 20 tournaments since last year's Genesis and had eight inside the top 15, including a second place finish at the Wyndham. So his form is really grounding back into shape. I had a bet with some buddies of mine uh, maybe a month or so ago. We were all at a dinner and trying to guess how many how many um, like PGA Tour wins Adam Scott has. Mm. How many PGA Tour wins would you guess that Adam Scott has? Well, that's a great question. I'm going to say eight. I was going to say twelve. It was crazy. So I, I and it was I was thinking about not only his PGA Tour wins, right, but then how many um, how many how much money he's won. He he actually has 14 PGA Tour wins, which is a lot more than I would have thought. And and I forget the exact number in cash, but he's won something like I don't know 40 or 50 million or something insane. So 14 PGA Tour wins for Adam Scott. Uh, he's 45 to one. He's got great course history here. He won this event in 2020, second in 2016, 10th in 2013. He's had success here. Adam Scott, uh, definitely a guy worth looking at 45 to one. And then another guy that I, it's just kind of odd to me because I was excited to bet him. We're just looking at numbers. And then I went to the odds to try to find the guy. And I was looking in the 70, 80, 90 to one. And I couldn't find Taylor Gooch. And I had to scroll all the way down to 50 to one before I found Taylor Gooch. And it felt really weird to see him priced near speed and ahead of Tony Finau. But, you know, here we are. Um, Gooch won the RSM in November, has five finishes inside the top 15 since September. Um, Course history strong here, having finished 12th, 10th, and 20th. Gooch at 50 to one. It's probably a fair price for him. I don't think it's a value. But, man, I, I like Gooch a lot this week. Got a couple minutes left here with Jeff Seeley. And, Jeff, very quickly, you mentioned Tony Finau here, and I saw him at 53-1, to 1 and I thought, what's up with Finau? I mean, I know this, this is the age-old question with Tony. What do you make of him this week, and what do you make of him, uh, his prognosis for this year? Is, is he ever going to be a major champion? Wow, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, it, it is one of those things where, First of all, he, I saw him 70 to one. I drafted wow. him when it first opened. Yeah. And I, I actually bet him at 70 to one when it first opened. I'm not going to, I wouldn't play him at 50 today, but um, you know, it's funny. We, we, Matt and I've talked about this a lot over the years and see now. And, and um, last year at Genesis, I was live betting and I kept adding money on, uh, on Max Homa the whole time. So I'm like, there's no way he is going to win. <laughs> it cost me when it, it, it cost me when he did win. Uh, last year, so I, it, I I I think that's leveled out on me. But but you know, honestly, I think if he's going to win a major, I think it's it's most likely that he he wins at Augusta, where he's had some good success. Although these days, you know, again, the talent pool is so deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tony still is just such an elite ball striker. Um, arguably, on any given tournament, the best ball striker in the field. It just really for him comes down to his putting, and if he can just be an average putter for a tournament. Um, I think I think he can win anything if he's if his putter cooperates. Check out the CupmakerPod.com for all the latest plays and podcasts from uh, Jeff Seeley at Cupmaker Jeff on Twitter. And we got to wind it up here, but uh, <clears throat> wind down here actually. Uh, but Jeff, you got one more bomb. Lanto Griffin at one hundred to one, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I like Lanto again. He hasn't won since the twenty nineteen Houston Open. But he has three top tens in his last seven events with a 16th at Pebble a few weeks ago. Um, his iron game's strong right now, gaining three strokes approach in his last four. So 
top 20 play, first-round leader play, and maybe some piece of money on Lanto Griffin at 100 to 1. All right, All right. there he is. Jeff Seeley. And, Jeff, maybe if, if uh, Brooks gets to 7.5 and gets to 8 majors, I'll dye my hair blonde, too. Appreciate the time, oh, Jeff. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> Always. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more college basketball and maybe some future plays that we see out there. Come on back. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The Sports Betting Network. First bet, we want you to get in on all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000 and receive $10 instantly in up to a $1,000 bonus. Visit VEASAN.com slash horses for all the details. Use the bonus code Vegas1000. Dave Ross alongside Matt Humans. Follow the money right here on VEASAN. And again, uh, for people like me, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, really, you start looking at college basketball now as we are in mid-February and we turn the page to March here, and you really start thinking about maybe some plays that you like to win the, the national championship here uh, in early April. And obviously, when you look at Gonzaga right now, and these odds are, are via DraftKings here, you can understand why they are the favorite right now at plus 450. I, I don't understand that. Really? No. You don't think they should be the favorite? No. Who would you make the favorite? Uh, uh, right now, I think you, you have to look at maybe Auburn, yeah. Kentucky, uh, probably in that direction. The Zags got run off the court by Alabama. Mm-hmm. They lost to Duke on a neutral. What exactly have they done in the last two months that all of a sudden they're plus 450 and teams like Arizona, Auburn, and Kentucky around 8 to 10 to 1? Well, so, you- I know on Kim Palm's website, the Gonzaga's number one team, mm-hmm. number two in adjusted offensive efficiency, number seven in defense. And I think Gonzaga's good. Don't get me wrong. I've got the Zags rated the number five team in college basketball. And, and Zags fans might take that as a slight. That's not a slight. If you're a top five team in college basketball, you're pretty good. But yeah. I don't think the Zags should be a favorite when you're talking about nine to two. Plus 450. Now, yeah. obviously, the odds are going to be dictated a little bit by how much action, if, if you're the bookmaker, mm-hmm. how much liability do you have on Gonzaga? So if, if people are betting the Zags like crazy, okay, well, you can say, well, plus 450 because you don't want any, anybody else to bet Gonzaga if you're the bookmaker. I'm not sure that's the case. I don't think there's been an avalanche of action on Gonzaga. I think that, in general, what this is, when you look at the College Hoops odds board, you ask me, who would you make the favorite? I don't think anybody knows who to, uh, who should be the favorite right now. So Gonzaga is kind of the favorite by default, right? in my estimation. Dave, look at Gonzaga's resume, and you tell me in the last two months who the Zags have beat uh, to separate from the pack like they have. No, you can't. You they really, haven't. No, they haven't. And, again, this gets back to the age-old question of playing in the WCC Versus playing, you know, big boy basketball that we predominantly say in the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the ACC and the SEC. I know the ACC is down this year, obviously, but that gets back to the strength of schedule and whether or not they're going to be battle tested. That's why they try to get a better non-con. I think Mark Few's done a better job of that in recent years, but they have not. Well, he always does a good job of that. But again, those games are in November and December. Right, and now you get to February. It's not his fault that they play in the West Coast Conference and and they can't play. Look, if Gonzaga played, had to run the gauntlet like the Big 12, the SEC, or the Big 10, 
They would be the Zags would be taking some losses so on these th- conference road like uh, like other teams do. They they coast through the West Coast Conference, which is relatively weak. I don't think St. Mary's is that good. No, BYU has been fizzling out. San Francisco has been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, the league is not that good. And I generally like the West Coast Conference. I don't think it's that strong beyond Gonzaga this year at all. And it does work against the Zags a little bit that they go two months without facing really tough competition week after week. Think about what Kentucky has to deal with in the SEC or Auburn or uh, what Kansas and you know Texas and Baylor and teams like that have to deal with in the uh, in the Big Twelve or you know what the Big Ten road is like uh, for these teams and. The Zags just aren't tested like that, and I think they have too many easy games over the course of like two months. But I, I think the bottom theory, line is plus four fifty. Yeah, I think in reality, uh, if you set the liability factor aside, plus four fifty is ridiculous. I agree. I, I just wonder. I think in theory, it, it makes logical sense to say, well, you're not going to be battle tested like these other schools that you just mentioned, Matt. But I don't know that it hurts Gonzaga each and every year because it feels like I don't know. They they start off with a really tough non-con. They get whacked around a little bit. And then all of a sudden they go through the coast, they build up the winning, and all of a sudden you look up and they got 30 wins normally at the end of the year, right? They mm-hmm. roll through the WCC. And it feels like to me now they're a perennial. I mean, we thought they were going to win the national championship last year. They get rolled in the final game against Baylor. But they're going to Sweet 16s. They're going to, to Elite 8s. They're going to Final Fours. And now they're going to national championships. So I don't know how much of a detraction it actually is that they don't play as tough a schedule that these other teams do. And sometimes I wonder if these teams beat up each other so much and they do run the gauntlet just to get out of these conference tournaments. And they're almost exhausted by the time they start playing the next well, week. Well, at some, March teams, Madness. some teams that might be the case. Yeah. I was talking about last year's Zags team. I said over and over for about two months that the, the that team had a glaring weakness. that had not been exposed uh, by an opposing team yet. And it was going to happen at some point, and Baylor finally did it. I, I said for months that the Zags' weakness was they had slow-footed guards who mm-hmm. could not contain dribble penetration, and they had no rim defense. And who exposed that? Finally, Baylor. But the Gonzaga got a pretty easy path to the Final they Four. They did. UCLA be, almost got him in that unbelievable game we saw in the Final if, Four. Yeah, if you think about the path the Zags had to get to the Final Four, there wasn't really a team that could, could test them. And then they ran into Baylor, and hey, what happened? They got run off the court. You know, uh, by Baylor, and I think that this Gonzaga team is going to be tested more on the way to the Final Four. And I'm not trying to knock the Zags at all. I just think that you know it's ridiculous to say that the Zags are four to one. Yeah, that's and little, teams little like much. Auburn and Kentucky are eight <laughs> to one or ten to one. Come on. Well, then let's look at some of your future plays that you like because the school I just mentioned there, UCLA, from their great <clears> run a year ago to to what you see this year, uh, I see you have them at sixteen to one, and obviously Duke. That feels like pretty good value at 12 to 1 as well. I think he has some really good numbers here, even going all the way down to Purdue at 30 to 1. I mean, Matt, you, you've got some some real live dogs with some real horses. Look where Arizona, where they graded out when you got them versus where they are today. Yeah, I, I should have pulled the trigger on Arizona a little bit sooner because I saw the Wildcats play in Vegas in November, and I knew at that point they were legit. I waited about 10 days to bet the future and it dropped from 60 to. Uh, I got a small bet in at 40, then I bet it again at 30. I should have had 60 to 1 on Arizona. But yeah, I started betting these futures last summer. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I feel like I end up with too many teams in, a, in the futures portfolio. But when you're betting these Boy. over the course of like uh, eight months, sometimes you uh, 
go a little bit overboard. Now, Duke, at 12 to 1, I think Duke's as, as talented as any team out no there. The, the perimeter shooting might be a little bit of a problem uh, when they get to the tournament. We don't know, but I, I'm pretty confident in saying I think Coach K is going to get a good draw from the NCAA <laughs> selection committee. In the last run? And, and that Duke is going to have a chance to make a deep run in the tournament. I'm not crazy about this UCLA bet anymore. And I made the UCLA bet when Johnny Juzang announced he was coming back right. to Westwood. And I thought, wow, that team's going to be stacked at 16-1. to 1. Uh, Yeah, right now you can find UCLA at around 25-30-1. to 30 to 1. So I did not get the best number on UCLA, but I didn't think Mick Cronin's team was going to decline like it has the season. That loss last week to USC was a bad loss. It was. Uh, USC's best player was out, and the Bruins still could not beat the Trojans. So I got Duke at 12 to 1, UCLA at 16, Kansas at 18. Now, I, I bet Kansas, when Remy Martin transferred from Arizona State, he was a Pac 12's leading scorer. He's been a big flop uh, for the Jayhawks so far. Texas, uh, when Chris Beard, the trader, went from Texas Tech to <laughs> Texas. Uh, I actually got a small bet on 40 to 1 on Texas, but a larger bet at 20 to 1, so that's how I listed it. Arizona, I love the bet on Arizona at 30 great to bet. 1. That's great. And number. Purdue's at 30 to 1 <laughs> as well. Now, Purdue, like I said, playing its worst basketball here this week. Uh, but that was a team that rose to number one in the rankings. And, you know, at 30 to 1, you, you like the value you've got there. I'm not real optimistic about Purdue at this point. Mitch Moss tucked me into Marquette a couple weeks ago. Shaka, baby. And that was when Circus Sports had 300 to 1 up there on Marquette. And, you know, it's tough to turn down that type of number on a, on a team that was rolling through the Big East at that point. But of all those futures I've got there, Duke, UCLA, Kansas, Texas, Arizona, Purdue, Marquette, some pretty good numbers. I like the Arizona bet the best. I think the Wildcats are going to be tough to match up against for pretty much any team in the tournament. When you're talking about guys on the front line who can go 6'11", 7'1". you got guards who can play. A really good coach, by the way, who is yeah. Gonzaga's top assistant. Mm-hmm. Tommy Lloyd was Mark Few's top assistant at Gonzaga. I think this Arizona team's a real deal. Uh, I like that future the best. I did have a uh, a guy email me yesterday. He's got an Arizona future as well, and he he's interested in hedging. And I advised him against it. Don't hedge now. You got to wait till you see the tournament bracket that comes out in March because uh, that that's when you'll have a better idea how you might be able to hedge a futures bet. Very quickly, Purdue. We talked a little bit about them in the first hour here. Can they just? They're just going to try to outscore everybody, right? Because they're just not playing yeah, defense. Yeah, but that doesn't work in March. You're going to have to win with defense. You're going to have to get defensive stops. You can't say, well, we're number one in offensive efficiency and number one 10 in defense. We're just going to outscore teams. It doesn't work that way. Now, Purdue, I, I think, can uh, can get to the Final Four if it gets the right draw because you got the big guys right. who are going to be matchup problems. I just, Zach be- Eady, Trevion Williams, you got 6'10", you know, 7'3". Uh, Purdue and Arizona are two of the biggest teams in college hoops. I'll be very interested to see where they put Duke and what that road looks like for Kay mm-hmm. in that final run. So maybe 12-1 feels like a pretty good number to me. All right, when we come back, let's talk some college football with Paul Stone and what's going on in Auburn. We'll try to figure it out with Paul when you come back with us right here. Follow the money on these and these sports betting now. The Sports Betting Network. 
Our friends at Winners and Winers have another free parlay from their red-hot expert handicapper, Scott Steen. To those who maybe tried this in the past few days, we've learned we were sharing the wrong number. Not to worry. Today, we've got the right one for you. Again, it's free. No strings, no BS. Just the side and total on tonight's Knicks and Nets game on the house. To get that parlay, text VEASAN to area code 320 350 3500. That's VEASAN to area code 320 350 3500. And we swear that is the correct number, Matt. You okay, that's great. Let's talk college football because uh, the NFL season's over. But Paul Stone, we have football withdrawal. And uh, we've yeah, we we got to find a way to uh, stick to some football topics <laughs> here. And we have had a couple things happening here in the past couple weeks that I think deserve some attention, especially in the SEC at Auburn and the investigation into Brian Harson And uh, was he going to survive after one year as Auburn coach? A disappointing year that it was, by the way, they were 6-7, and seven, the Tigers, and uh, they blew their chance to upset Alabama. What do you make of uh, what's happened with Harson at Auburn, and uh, does he have any chance to succeed in 2022? Well, I tell you, you know, certainly it's fair to say that, that Brian Harson, you know, probably rubbed some people the wrong way. Uh, you know, a writer, I was reading the Montgomery Advertiser, and a, a writer described Harson as having a harsh mentality. So, you know, that, that's a, uh, you know, that's kind of just part of his personality. And he's not the only football coach that probably has a harsh mentality. You know, I called at the time, Matt, I called his hiring a curious one. Mm-hmm. You know, most of his time as a player and a coach spent west of the Rockies, obviously. Uh, then he goes to, goes to Auburn, uh, has that losing record the first season. Now you have players and coaches, you know, leaving the planes left and right, uh, including former starting quarterback Bo Nix, you know, whose dad, he's a legacy recruit. Bo Nix, besides Oregon, uh, in the Pacific Northwest is a better location for him. Uh, But, uh, you know, things are – he's in a difficult situation. Media reports, I think this is a key factor. You know, money always plays a role. And media reports indicated that if Auburn fired Harson without cause – it would have committed $40 million to football coaches no longer associated with the school since December 2020. So just 14 months ago, if they were to fire Harson, they'd have $40 million they owe to coaches no longer there. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was the right hire at the time. I don't think it's the right hire now. I think he's going to get to 2022, but as far as opportunity for success, I think it's going to be a tough go. And I think we're going to be sitting here at this time next year Mm. And I think it's probably better than 50-50 that Auburn might have a new football coach. But yeah. I think get to 2022, get to the start line, maybe get to the finish line. But this time next year, I'm not sure he's going to be there. I'm like you, Paul. I did not like to hire at the time. I thought the Boise State program was actually declining under Brian Harson's leadership. Follow Paul Stone on Twitter at Paul Stone Sports. Listen to his podcast, too. Do a great job and great insights on uh, college football and other sports we're going to talk about in this segment. When you look at Auburn's win total – we have the schedule up here on the screen. There's a good chance Brian Harson is going to start 2-0 and against the <laughs> Mercer Bears and San Jose State the first two weeks. After that, it's going to be a tough go the rest of the way in the SEC uh, for Auburn. And Brian, by the way, Brian Harson, part of the reason a lot of people at Auburn are associated with Auburn or are upset with him, his recruiting was exceptionally weak. Yeah. Very weak. And it's going to be tough to uh, survive in the SEC uh, when you can't recruit. Paul? What do you think a realistic win total is for Auburn next season? You know, I have to admit, I, I hadn't looked at, uh, not looking at their schedule right now, but, uh, 
you know, I think if they, you know, I think they're going to have more of the same. I mean, competing in that, uh, competing in the SEC West, and even though, like you said, they're going to start out two and zero, it's just a uh, there's not uh, there's not many easy wins there. So I think another losing uh, season's in store, and I think it's just going to be. Uh, Again, a, a, a difficult time, and like you said, the recruiting. I mean, that's that's part of the reason I didn't like the hire. I mean, when you you're an outsider coming into the SEC, you don't have those relationships that all your competitors do, uh, and the programs you, you know not at its height at that time. It's just a difficult to do. So uh, I think he's in for for some rough sailing. Talking with Paul Stone and Paul, I do want to go out west here and look at Lincoln Riley with USC, and obviously it feels like a. Uh, a slam dunk home run higher so far out there in Southern California. Uh, what do you make so far uh, of some of the transfers he's getting out there at SC? And is this a team and a program that's ready co- to compete in year one with Lincoln? Well, I mean, you know, the, the roster, they've certainly been bolstered since Lincoln Riley was, uh, in my mind, kind of almost a shocking hire. I didn't, I didn't see him leaving Oklahoma, but uh, a very surprising hire to, uh, to replace Clay Hilton there at USC. I think the number's now up to 13, maybe, as far as players who've transferred into USC. Obviously, the most notable, uh, the recent addition of quarterback Caleb Williams, uh, a five-star recruit out of the Washington, D.C. area, uh, who supplanted uh, Spencer Rattler, who was the preseason Heisman favorite. (laughs) He supplanted Rattler last year pretty early in the season, and uh, he's going to be the Trojans' quarterback, it looks like. Got some other big-timers, wide receiver Mario Williams, a five-star recruit out of the state of Florida, follows Riley from Norman to Los Angeles. And then you've got the running back from Oregon, uh, Travis Dye. He rushed for almost mm-hmm. 300 yards last year, 3,000 yards, more than 3,000 yards in his collegiate career. The things they have to do, though, are the same things that have kind of held this program back the last few years. As good as that, <clears throat> excuse me, the skill talent looks, they've got to get better on the interior lines, both offensively and defensively, to get up to that championship level. Uh, but, you know, it's exciting. Uh, Those quarterbacks, guys like Bryce Young went to Alabama right in uh, USC's backyard. C.J. Stroud goes to Ohio State right in USC's backyard. With Lincoln Riley there now, some of those guys probably stay. USC certainly a program uh, to keep an eye on in the coming years. Yeah, somebody asked me about the College Football Futures Board last week, and I said I think USC is going to be a hot team with a lot of people. No question. I'm not sure how quickly Lincoln Riley is going to get this going, but it could be pretty quickly. Uh, all right, Paul, let's shift and transition from college football to college hoops. Uh, yesterday you were with me on Wisconsin against Indiana. We got the outright win with the Badgers. What's on your radar tonight in college hoops? You know, I, gotta, I like the card a little bit uh, better yesterday, but there are, all, you know, always there's going to be some, some games to, uh, that, that catch your eye. And I've got a couple uh, today aside in the total uh, here in my backyard in the uh, – Big 12, you've got Baylor going to Texas Tech tonight. Texas Tech installed as a two-point home favorite. And it looks like Baylor, they're about to play, first of all, their sixth straight game, it looks like, without leading scorer L.J. Cryer. And now they've lost their forward, Jonathan Chamachakawa. They've lost him to a, a knee injury. I think I said that pretty Well done, Paul. I tried to avoid that, that pronunciation early in the show. I said, <laughs> Baylor just took another key injury. <laughs> all those speech lessons I got uh, drug off to in the third grade, they're paying off. But, uh, they're looking for the regular season sweep. They beat Baylor, if you remember, uh, January 11th, beat them by three there in Waco. I don't like fading Scott Drew and the Bears. 
but they're not the same uh, team without Cryer and Chamachakawa. Plus Texas Tech, they've got one of the most, the nation's, in my mind, most underrated home court advantages in all of college basketball. Mm-hmm. They're 15 and 0 at the United Spirit Arena. I think they make it 16 and 0 tonight. So I'm taking Texas Tech minus two, and then going out to the Mountain West, a total. Boise going to Colorado Springs to play Air Force. Uh, the side is minus t- Boise minus ten with a total of 120. Opened last night at 118 and a half. But when these two teams played in Boise back on January 18th, they combined to take a grand total of just 82 field goal attempts. That's got to be among the lowest number of combined field goal attempts in a college game all year. And they made 50% of those attempts, made 11 of 27 three-pointers, so they were 41% from the three-point line. So they shot it pretty well, but still combined for just 118 points uh, in a 62-56 Boise victory. Air Force ranks 358th in the NCAA in field goals attempted a game at only 49 shots a game. Boise comes in at 244th. They only take 56 shots a game. I still think this game is going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. (laughs) A low total of 120. Take this game, Boise Air Force, to go under 120. Talking to Paul Stone, follow him on Twitter as I do at Paul Stone Sports. Paul, very quickly, Genesis open this week with some golf. Matt and I have a uh, couple plays already. It's not an open, it's an invitation. Invitation, uh, excuse me. Uh, what do you like this week, Paul? Uh, I'll give you a couple of matchups. Uh, first of all, going to look at uh, Francesco Molinari plus 123 over Sahith uh, Thigala. I actually had Thigala last week at 225 to 1 uh, and almost cash. But that's got to be a, uh, a tough uh, tournament for Thigala. Emotionally, he played so well, but he was on the lead. Yep. Slept on the lead Friday night, Saturday night, and, and he's got to be emotionally drained. And I'm also recommending taking Xander Shoffley at minus 120 mm. for last week's winner, Scotty Scheffler. So those are my two matchups this week at Riviera Country Club. Scotty Scheffler, Texas Longhorn. Xander Shoffley, I agree with you. That's a guy you can bet in matchups. Don't bet him to win. I, I've given up on betting Xander Shoffley uh, to win a tournament, but, Paul, I think you're on the right uh, track there betting him in that matchup. What's what's on deck? we got about 20 seconds left. What's up next for the Paul Stone uh, Sports Podcast? Well, you know, I, I kind of just go week to week. I'm working, starting to work on this week. I'm going to do it uh, later tonight and uh... – you know, it's going to be a lot of basically just do's and don'ts, just kind of rehashing some of the things, just trying to, you know, hopefully there's something there for everybody, but just trying to educate people uh, on uh, my opinion as to the best way to approach this to be a long-term uh, winning sports handicapper. Paul, always appreciate the time and the information as always. Don't go anywhere. More NFL news and notes. Come on back. It's Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. The Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philly, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcast. Dave Ross alongside Matt Humans. Follow the money right here on VEASAN. And, of course, to the victor go the spoils. Congratulations, L.A. Rams. You win your first Super Bowl in L.A. since 
The Raiders won it back in 1983. Marcus Allen, reverse skate, go all the way. People seem to have forgotten that somewhere on social media. And then the, the news immediately started to break of, oh, my goodness, we heard reports during the Super Bowl. Maybe Aaron Donald's going to call it a career after. Maybe Sean McVay is going to call it a day at, at what, 24? It's 36. Well, we're not talking about Bill Belichick. We're not talking about Pete Carroll. We're talking about 36-year-old Sean McVay mm-hmm. possibly calling it a day. So instead of us addressing it, let's hear from Sean McVay himself as to what he says about Yeah. You know, I love this so much, you know, that it's such a passion. But I also know that what I've seen from some of my closest friends, whether it's coaches or even some of our players, you know, I'm, I'm going to be married this summer, want to have a family, and I think being able to find that balance but also be able to give the time necessary. And, you know, I've always had a dream about being able to be a father, and I can't predict the future. You know, I jokingly say that. I don't really know. You know, I know I love football, and I'm so invested in this thing, and I'm in the moment right now. But at some point, too, if you said, what do you want to be able to do? I want to be able to have a family, and I want to be able to spend time with them. And I also know how much time is taken away during these months of the year. Okay, there's a lot there to unpack. And again, this is normally the refrain is family. We understand that. This is you have other interests that are not just football related. When you've reached the top of the mountaintop, sometimes you want to go. You know what? Maybe now's a good time to step away. Hey, we saw it with Dick Vermeil. It did happen, and then came back, of course, after burnout in Philadelphia, and then won a Super Bowl with the St. Louis Rams back then. Do you think this is legit at 36? Because he sounds like a guy who's actually contemplating life after football. Yeah, obviously, um, he's not making a great decision by getting, getting married this summer. So well, his decision-making process might be a little questionable. Well, why, not, why not this summer? You think it's uh, just bad timing? I just, uh, it's the worst bet a guy can make, getting married. <laughs> I, you, I mean, as two I, single guys... We can say that. It's easy for us to uh, say. I mean, look. I, you, got, you got a lot to lose and not much to gain. Well, what, okay. did, what did Jack uh, Nicholas always say about Tiger Woods when Tiger Woods was single? By the way, I, Tiger did dye his hair blonde. I, Somebody sent the photo in. I, thank I, you. I, I completely forgot about that's that. exactly I'm, my point. I'm disappointed in Tiger. No, he I, totally went blonde. No, I recall that. But, but that's what Jack uh, said about Tiger. Wait till he gets married and see how it changes things. The same could be said yeah, about Yeah, how'd that work out for Tiger getting married? Not great. But the point for Sean McVay is he's now won a Super Bowl. He is going to get married. Right? He says he wants to be a dad. Uh-huh. That's going to change your priorities well, in great. life. That's great. And if you can't be all in on a football team, the way Sean McVay has been all in. Look, had him in D.C. when he was much younger. Became an offensive coordinator, I believe 2014 it was. Mm-hmm. But really, even then, it was Kyle Shanahan that we always focused on. Of course, Mike was the head coach back then. And Sean was, we didn't know this was going to be Sean McVay in D.C., you know, eight, ten years later. He seems like a guy that runs hot, that, like, he's all the way in. We've seen other coaches burn out. Belichick feels like the guy that's learned how to pace it through the years. Even Pete Carroll, who's a very rah-rah emotional mm-hmm. guy. He's not 70. Yeah. Right? He's figured out a way. 70. Double the age of Sean McVay, then some. <laughs> so, like, it's it's like, how does Sean McVay dial it back, get married, maybe have a kid, and still be this guy that some say is at the top of the food chain in the coaching industry. Well, he's got a chance if he wants to coach for 30 more years to maybe win more Super Bowls than Bill Belichick. You know, who's to say he's not? He's going to have a lot of opportunities. <clears throat> I don't think he's on Bill Belichick's level or anywhere close to it uh, right now. But if he 
you're talking about a guy who could coach three more decades. So uh, he, he could pile up some numbers. Uh, but here's the thing. I can tell you've been hosting a lot of shows with Wes Reynolds because you really get caught up in the soap opera aspect of some of these stories. <laughs> I love it. It's, just, it's the you best know, part if, of it is the speculation. If Sean McVay wants to get married, that's fine. If he wants to have a family, that's fine. Some guys really want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that at some point the desire to coach is going to return, uh, the yes. de- desire to compete. And a lot of that, that's this immaturity, I think, on his part, he's 36 years old, and he said, yeah, I want to be home. I want to raise a family. Well, that's fine. You can have a family and still be a football coach, and that's exactly what he's going to do. He might take a year away at some point. And I think what could happen is the Rams are going to be up against the salary cap. They've oh, traded away all their draft picks. Sean McVay, after next season, might say, you know what? The future of this team's not so bright anymore. Uh, this might be a time for me to take a year off, go into broadcasting, and then I come back in a year, two years, whatever, and coach somewhere else. Uh, but the Rams have mortgaged their future. And it's going to get ugly uh, here in a couple of years. But right now, you know, that, that team was built to win now. They pushed all their chips in the middle of the table. It worked. They it won worked. the Super Bowl. Uh, that's great. But I, I think McVeigh in his comments there is kind of setting the table. Absolutely. To tell people, hey, I'm going to step away for a year. I'm going to use family as an excuse. I'm going to go into TV, and then I'm going to come back. He, he's going to come back a year or two later somewhere else where he's got a better chance to win. They're 11-1 to win next year. I said it yesterday in the show. Nobody's scared of the Rams next year. They were a four seed this year. I, I wonder if it doesn't work out. They don't get the Super Bowl. Well, next maybe. year is going to be the best, the second-best Rams team he's ever had next to this one. Correct. And then the roster is going to go downhill. It is yeah. interesting to me that he's using – the family that he does not have yet yeah, as exactly. the potential excuse to step aside. Exactly. Guys actually have families, <laughs> then they step aside. Right. Urban Meyer just, has gone down that playbook a couple times. Oh, yeah. okay. Urban Meyer, completely sincere every time he says it. Too. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, just in short, we've heard Aaron Donald. He says as long as McVay's there, Aaron Donald wants to be there. So it looks like they're going to try to get the band back together. You might be able to get OBJ now very cheap because that knee situation here would look like he was going to be a goner. So 11-1, look, we're giving you that information before you make that futures bet. I don't like the Rams at all at that number next year with all these uncertainties. But I do believe McVay and Donald will be back. Mm-hmm. So do I. Now to the point of Matt Stafford, and, and not that this is anything, I, I'm sure you can find some numbers out there. Will Matt Stafford, you want to do an ultimate future, be a Hall of Famer one day? Uh, we're not talking about that, are we? Well, Richard Sherman had a lot to say oh, about okay. it. Okay. And so Richard Sherman, who I don't know if Richard Sherman's a Hall of Famer. At one time, he told Aaron Andrews, I'm the best damn cover corner in the league. And that, I guess, gets you into Hall of Fame. Well, Jalen Ramsey talked about how he's the best cover corner in the league. I, I went back and watched Replay of the Super Bowl last night, I saw him getting torched three or four times. Here's what Richard had to say, <laughs> okay. what ab- he say? about Matthew Stafford. And he basically said, do we have the soundbite of it, Elliot? Or just the quote? The tweet. Here's the tweet. the tweet. You ready for this? Richard Sherman, underscore 25. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, but the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now. Like a participation trophy. No all-decade team, no all-pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never considered the best in any year he played, at least Matt Ryan, as an MVP. Arumph, you know, i got to say something. I appreciate that tweet because he's right. Everything he's said in there is factually 
accurate. So we have dummied down not just the NFL Hall of Fame, every Hall of Fame, to a participation trophy, to everybody gets orange slices. You've been around for the block for a while. We like you. The media likes you. We know how this works. We've been in this industry for a long time. If the media likes you and they love Matt Stafford, nothing not to like. That's going to help your candidacy to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think anything changed. It's so funny because a lot of people go, well, nothing changes even though they don't win. The winning should matter. It does matter. But it doesn't mean just because he's got one. By the way, people go number one draft, number one pick in the draft. That helps your case? Not at all. Jim Plunkett was the number one pick overall. He's won two Super Bowls. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, just because you're a number one pick, that doesn't do – you haven't done anything uh, with that, that pick. That's not even the part NFL. of the argument. First Correct. of all, oh, most of the quarterbacks in this era have inflated stats because it's much more of a passing-oriented league than it used to be. You're talk, you know, if you look at Troy Aikman's numbers. Oh, that they're, they, they look terrible. Unbelievably meager passing numbers compared to the quarterback's now, but he was a part of three Super Bowl winning teams with the Cowboys. Winning does matter. There's no question about it when you're talking about the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I've said this last year. Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Just because you pile up a bunch of passing stats. How many Super Bowls did Philip Rivers play? And I'm still waiting. Uh, you know, first of all, I don't really care a whole lot about the Hall of Fame argument. This is a, a betting network. Mm-hmm. We don't get into those storylines too much. Every once in a while, we'll hit on stuff like this. I think the bar, Richard Sherman's right, has been lowered for all the Hall of Fames, and that's why I kind of get irritated talking about it because a lot of guys are in these halls who don't deserve to be there. No question about it. And again, this is for next year, and maybe that goes into your 11-to-1 play to say Matthew Stafford's going to prove it, win back-to-back, and then Matty goes in the hall, right? Sean McVay sticks around forever. We'll find out. Uh, got Johnny Vela is going to join us here at the top of the very next hour. Come on back. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 